It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. Hi, I'm Teresa. And I'm Amy. We are two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. So, Amy, it's been a busy week. What was your best part of last week? Well, like you, the normalcy. Last week, I took my daughter and she had a friend. We went out to the beach. Which we had like 112 degrees. degrees. Yeah, we were escaping the heat. (laughs) But it was fun to hear the giggles in the car and them chattering. You forget how much you miss that. Yeah, and it was like the first time she's had a friend. Yeah. And so it was fun seeing them play on the beach and just some normalcy. Yeah. And then the other fun thing, my middle one, Lucy, who's away in North Carolina with her friend and their her friend's family, they checked out this area of the Outer Banks, which I guess there's a whole Netflix. Like the young girls are into that. It's like a mm. whole series about mm-hmm. this Outer Banks. But they were there, and she went into this ice cream shop called Surfing Spoon, where this, you know, ex-pro surfer <laughs> and his wife... Open the shop up, and um, people put money in the in the um, rafters, kind of in the beams mm-hmm. of this place in mm-hmm. the summertime because you know your beams swell. And then the winter, it, wonder how they get it up there. Well, they just poke them up, so they encourage oh, okay. people to poke okay. dollar oh, bills, okay. coins. Okay. And then the winter, it shrinks, and the money comes down. And they've been donating it to a local charity there, how cool surfing for is autism. That? So I think that's really cool. Yes. So she told me about that. I just Aww. love that. She's looking for inspiration <laughs> wherever she goes. <laughs> I love it. So I was it just touched my heart. Sharing with you. Yeah. That's so so cute. Sweet. So I started off so super excited to find this book called My Hero, The My Hero Project. It's essays written by people who they admire, but they're also pretty famous and people that have done amazing things like... Oh, cool. um, Michael J. Fox, John McCain, Paul Newman, Rafi, Ron Reagan. They call it Ron Reagan. I would yeah. use it Ron Reagan. Just, so wide it's variety. It's a huge yeah. number of people. So yeah. I was super excited to find this book. Several people we've already covered, including Michael J. Fox, which you covered in episode 33. With his essay, he noted, and I loved this, for his heroes, he admired Martin Luther King Jr., Gandhi, oh, Muhammad Ali. Yeah. And Rosa Parks. And he said those were the obvious heroes. But then he noted how much he admired everyday heroes, who he said they serve as our moral compass, which I I loved. Yeah. I just, I loved that verbiage, I guess. He noticed that he admired his parents. They they raised five kids on a military salary. Oh, wow. Throughout Canada. Yeah. Wow. Pretty impressive. His brother, his older brother, Steve, who um, successfully raised a son with spinal bifida. And then he commented on his, the president and CEO of his foundation. Oh, cool. Debbie Brooks, who he said she had no family connection, no reason to serve on the foundation. She was just doing it out of the kindness of her heart. He said that she could have been making a lot of money other places, but her willingness to make a difference for the Michael, Michael J. Fox Foundation just inspired him, made him oh. feel like she was a hero. So his thing was, he said, heroes are people that have a willingness to stand up and fight for the right thing, fight for freedom, 
justice, equality, and fighting against disease, which I... I just love that. I loved it. Yeah. So we also covered Wingari Mathai. She's the organizer of the Greenbelt Movement. For her, her essay, she admired the women throughout her life, which, of course, I I loved. I just loved reading who inspired these people, but the women who taught her to read, to write, and to serve in accordance with community values. For Wangari, she loved the Italian and Irish nuns who ran her school. She said they were beautiful, yet smart. They were kind and dedicated their lives to something greater than themselves, which I so admire. And obviously, Wangari Mathai did. Her favorite person that she noted was Sister Jean Marie, who noted that the gift of education grows and multiplies, which I just love that concept. Her heroes were her grandmother, who had a strong sense to make things right, which I love. We could all learn from that. And also the nuns. They had a deep sense in seeking justice, and they weren't afraid. They didn't show their fear, even though they probably were afraid, but they didn't let the kids know it. Another person in here was Ronald Reagan. Oh. So he shared an essay, and I didn't realize that he had pushed for stem cell research and medical therapy for diabetes, Parkinson's, and Alzheimer's. Wow. Alzheimer's had taken his father, sadly. But his hero, he noted in his essay, was his dad, which I I just, I loved, I loved reading that in itself. But even more so when I read the reasons why his father was his hero, he taught him that it doesn't matter who you are, but how you act, which I just love that. He noted your kindness, your gentleness, and ability to forgive all included. That was, I mean, his father admired the, Tibetan monks and Nelson Mandela, which we have got to cover. That might be a devil. Yeah, definitely. But his father preached about empathy, compassion, and forgiveness. And I can so get behind that. He noted that his father forgave John Hinckley Jr. after the assassination attempt, which I don't know if someone had tried to kill one of my boys, I, I'm just not sure that yeah. I would be in the same boat, but um, he said his dad never yelled at anyone and just treated everyone with kindness, which talk about a legacy. Yeah. Then there was John McCain, which, you know, I love yes, John McCain, yes, yeah. but and to me, you just, you can't get more amazing than John McCain, but his hero, that's why I was so curious yeah. about his hero. A man named Ted Williams. Oh, Have you ever heard of him? I've never heard of him. <laughs> Neither have I. But I guess he was considered like the greatest hitter in baseball. Oh, wow. But on top of that, um, he was a Marine nav- aviator and had fought in two wars. Uh, he went to Korea and he was in World War II. Apparently with his fourth season with the minor league baseball, he... Uh, was called to serve in World War II. And on opening day, he hit a home run. He was first about. So I guess pretty amazing in the baseball world. He also, like, later had shattered his shoulder, like, hitting the fence to catch a ball. But apparently this guy was all sorts of amazing. But at the end of that season, he reported for duty. He flew in the same squadron as John Glenn. Oh, wow. Amazing. So I can see why John McCain loved him. But John Glenn had called him the best natural pilot he had ever seen. Ted Williams tirelessly raised money for kids' causes. Aww. That's the part that I 
absolutely yeah. love. And whenever a child with cancer wanted to see him, he would go, not for the publicity, but because for the heart behind yeah. it. Which, Aww. no wonder John McCain loved him. Yeah, for I mean, sure. I totally get it. So, while this book was, I was very excited to find the book, I'm even more excited to discover that the My Hero Project, actually, they have a website. It's a nonprofit organization founded in 1995, and they're trying to offset the lack of positive role models in the media and celebrate the oh, best of humanity so, and power. So it's young. ongoing? Yes. Oh, I know. I that's that. what I love. And so they try to, young people, and they try to encourage people to write and send stuff with heroes. Oh, that's um, super cool. To, very cool. But they were looking for the best in humanity to empower young people to realize their own potential to affect positive change in the world, which... You know, I just picked up this book that was like, yeah. my hero. And I was super excited about gem. it. And then all these people in it. I mean, some of them I haven't even heard of, but it even, yeah. So I can't wait to get through the rest of the book because I love, Scott Hamilton was in there. Aww. And he loved his mom. He has an organization called Cares, which he's fighting cancer with cures. They're, you know, they're yeah. trying to cure cancer. But his his role model was his mom. And it's just, just I mean, so yeah. many stories in there that are just all sorts of amazing, but not even the book, but the website, which I hadn't even realized. So that was my super exciting find with the My Hero Project. I love, love, love the ideals behind the Olympic Games. Yeah. The world coming together right. to celebrate athletes all over the globe. I'm embarrassed to say this, but I'm more of a highlights yeah. real type of person. I like watching what happened during the day instead of the two-week period between right. July and August. And some of the events are definitely more interesting than others, but I absolutely love – I mean, you know that I love the Olympic Games. More so the summer games. Yeah. I know you guys like the I like games. both. I, I, do, I really like both. They're all but, fun. Yeah. But there's just something about the summer games. My list of more interesting events would include diving. Yeah, I like diving, diving too. Is That's good. Fun. Gymnastics, you yeah, yeah. have already noted. And definitely track and field. I should have been all fangirl with America's sweetheart, Janet Evans. Do you remember oh, her? swimmer. Yeah, 1988. Since I was a swimmer, but instead I was drawn to track and field, which I was not a runner. But when I say I was drawn to track and field, I really mean Florence Griffith Joyner. Do you remember her? Flojo. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, Flojo. <laughs> so to say I was crushed when allegations came out that she had purchased HGH would be a total understatement. While she never failed a drug test. Right. The sad reality is that cheating casts a shadow of suspicion on everyone, innocent and guilty alike. So, I mean, that's the 50-year-old me talking. The 16-year-old girl who was watching those games wasn't even considering that. I was too impressed with her running skills. Right. That woman was setting records that women haven't even touched 33 years later. That's amazing. So the skills were impressive and all. But I loved, loved, loved that she was winning and shattering records in fun outfits. Yeah. I mean, her clothing <laughs> was just fun. She brought a level of femininity to the sport. Synchronized swimmers get fun costumes. Right. It's part Skaters of the Skaters 
yeah, I like watching skating because the music and the costumes, that's, they have fun wardrobes, but I, I don't get why one, running has to be so boring. So that's why I admired Flojo <laughs> as sad, as sad as that is. I had no idea that she had raced jackrabbits as oh, a kid. I know. Wow. And I, I didn't really care about what college she went to or any of her stats, but I couldn't wait to see what ensemble she'd put together for a race. For me, I just felt she was drop-dead gorgeous, and I think her combination of beauty and brawn is what made me excited to watch her events. Yeah. So there's a new girl on the track, currently the sixth fastest woman in history, but hoping to make her way up the list. Shikari Richardson, and sadly, she may not be able to compete in the Olympics because of some THC, not performance-enhancing drugs, but marijuana. But anyway, I'm I'm hoping this all gets taken care of. But Shikari Richardson has me totally thinking deja vu. Yeah. She's petite. Yeah. Beautiful. She isn't content with fitting in with the competition, which I love. She changes her hair to match the mood she wants. I've seen her in blue, orange, bleach blonde, black. And while it sounds odd, she totally pulls it off. And each and every shade. She just, she looks dropped it gorgeous in every color of hair. It's so frustrating. I mean, to me, I'm jealous. But (laughs) just like Flojo, she has those crazy long fingernails, which I really don't get. But also like Flojo, she's mesmerizing to watch. I'm not going to lie. I would love to see her break some of those records. They are 33 years old. But I don't want them to just go to anyone. I feel like Shikari Richardson is the most worthy to break Flojo's 100-meter 200 meter times. After running a preliminary race, she ran into the bleachers. This is part of why I love her. I know. To celebrate with her grandma. I saw that in the Today Show. (laughs) Just (gasps) so sweet. sweet. The woman she credits her grandma for molding her into the woman that she is today. She was abandoned by her mother. So Shikari Richardson, I feel she's a scrapper, but she's also a voice for mental health. She's been open about her issues with depression and suicidal thoughts and an actual attempt in high school. So she definitely encourages anyone struggling to get counseling. I love that she's open about it. Right. Making it about, yeah. Yeah. So it'll definitely be an interesting summer in track and field, that's for sure. I hope she gets to run, but... That's that'll we'll we'll see. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. We keep hopeful. But long before the battle to beat Flojo's record, there was another young woman who was blazing her own trail and paving the way for these young ladies that are out there doing it. Wilma Rudolph was an early leading lady in the athletic arena. I assume everyone's heard of her, but then I talk to people at work and they're no, like, like oh, yeah. <laughs> so she was admired for her athletic accomplishments as well as her feminine beauty and poise. I've watched videos. Yeah. She just had such an elegance and grace, but yet was smoking fast. So while she wasn't the first black American woman to win a gold medal, she was the first American period wow. woman to win three gold medals, which I love. That's awesome. She won gold in the 100-meter race. Wilma Rudolph was the first American woman to win gold since Helen Stevens in 1936. And the thing that's funny, so after reading Fast Girls, which I think everyone should read that book, I loved it. And coming across this fun fact made it even more fun. I had a hard time putting that book down. It, It went over the 1936 Olympics 
And I just, after reading it, I felt like I was friends with all of <laughs> all of the ladies on that Berlin Aww. team. It's just, it's a really yeah. good book. I think everyone should read it. But she followed. I think that's back. a fascinating Olympics, anyways. Oh the my 36, gosh. Just because Absolutely. you've got the whole world stage with because Nazi Germany, Germany. Yeah. and we're in the depression. Yeah, it's, it just is it, a lot of yeah. And I worked into it. Added, you just looked into all of these ladies and Helen Stevens. Yeah. I, I hadn't even heard of until this book, but she was a legend in herself in her own being. So I think everyone should read Fast Girls. So with Wilma Rudolph, she followed that 100-meter with another gold in the 200-meter. So she was being hailed as the fastest woman in history. Then on September 7th in 1960, the temperatures I read both between, it was 100 and then also on Wikipedia, I saw it hit 110. Remember, these were in Rome. Yeah. Which, considering we've recently hit those temperatures in I Oregon. Can't imagine. Oh my gosh, miserable. Yeah. Miserable. I can't even imagine running in that. But she ran the anchor leg with Martha Hudson, Lucinda Williams, and Barbara Jones, and she secured her third gold medal. Well, that's awesome. So yeah. Her motivation? She wanted to pay Jesse Owens a tribute. Aww. He was the star of the 1936 Berlin Games and in her mind, and she felt like he was her inspiration. So inspiring and all as this woman is that she was fast, which of course I admire, but that's not what makes me love Wilma Rudolph. It's the road she traveled to get to the Olympic Games that makes me want to be a little more like Wilma Rudolph. Well, actually, a lot more like Wilma Rudolph. I wish I could be fast like her, but she was born child number 20. Wow. 20 of 22 children in in the segregated South. Her father had 11 children from his first marriage and then eight more before Wilma with his second wife. He was a porter and her mother was a cleaning person. So to say she lived in poverty would be an understatement. It reminded me a lot of reading this stuff with her childhood, uh, reminded me a lot of Dolly Parton. Oh, yeah. Oh. When she had a lot of siblings and they didn't have much. But for Wilma Rudolph... There were twice as many children, and she was black. So she was also born. This woman just had so many things stacked against her. She was born premature. She weighed four and a half pounds. Oh, my goodness. She contracted scarlet fever, measles, mumps, whooping cough, and pneumonia twice. Oh, my goodness. At the age of four, she contracted infantile paralysis from the polio virus. She lost use of her left leg. And it prevented Wilma from walking. She missed all of kindergarten year and most of her first grade year. The after effects of polio would leave her with a brace until she was 11. Her doctor said she wouldn't walk again. In the segregated South, you couldn't just go to any doctor if you were a black. I mean, I just, I can't even fathom. She'd ride a Greyhound bus in the back, of course, to the nearest hospital that would serve black patients it was like 50 miles away so we're talking a 100 mile round trip was her mother or her aunt would take her for her weekly appointments and then her family would help massage her legs which i just love yeah the support of her family young woman was determined to walk again and believed in herself because her mom stayed positive and said she would walk again when her parents were out i i love this picture (laughs) She'd take her brace off and she'd practice walking and her siblings would help her out. 
because when her parents would come home, the siblings, you know, mom yeah. and dad are home or whatever, right. mom's home, and she'd put her brace back on. So she's she like sneaking a, sneaking a little relaxation. Yes, that is just well, and practicing walking. walking. She's yeah. practicing walking. Oh, good for her. I mean, you you as any kid would want to do that. Yes, and know? I just think it's super sweet that her kid uh, that her siblings were helping her do that. So cute. So to find the odds, Wilma surprised the doctor by walking in. So she went from the brace to a supportive shoe, and she wore that orthopedic shoe until she was 11. Once she started running, which I love, because they said she never walked in. Right, now she's running. Exactly. She competed with the neighborhood boys, and she'd be running and jumping and trying to compete with them, and that wasn't enough for her. So she wanted to um, compete with the boys and play basketball. The high school basketball coach had shown an interest in her older sister, Yvonne. And when the coach came to the house and asked for permission from the dad, if Yvonne could play basketball, the dad said, only if Wilma gets to play. So it was a two for one. I mean, he only allowed it. Yeah. So when she played basketball, she was called Skeeter. Oh. Because she buzzed around so fast like a mosquito. It's adorable. Her, she had super long legs and she was very fast, but she was discovered and invited to run. At 14, she was noticed, discovered by Ed Temple, the track coach at Tennessee State University. Then by 16, she was at the Melbourne Olympics. Wow. Which talk about... So she was probably one of the youngest. Oh, I'm sure. She came back with a bronze medal and she said she'd, you know, show it to her friends. She tried to polish it and she said it wouldn't shine. So she wanted a gold medal. (laughs) So she wanted to go back and get... Good for her, yeah. And get gold, she did. She was the first American, like I said, to win three gold medals in track and field. She'd beaten out the Russians at the height of the Cold War, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. She was one of the first black female athletes in the world to do that. And she got to meet President Kennedy, Vice President Lyndon B. Johnson. It was kind of sad because her hometown of Clarksville, Tennessee, wanted to give her a parade. But they wanted it to be segregated. What? So she stood her ground. She declined. And eventually they caved. And she did did get to do a parade. I don't know if it was with the original townsman. But she did a parade. And it was not segregated. But I was happy to read that she stood her ground. And she was not going to participate in a parade that was segregated. Right. Running gave her opportunities she couldn't have considered even before. Going to places she hadn't even heard of. Yeah, sure. And most importantly, running gave her an opportunity to earn a college degree, which 22 kids, they are definitely not paying for that. But she retired early. I watched an interview and read that her teammates didn't treat her well, I'm guessing, because they were jealous. Yeah. But she talked about her last race, and it was a 4 by 100 relay. Her teammates had started – she was the, the anchor, and okay. she was way behind. And as they're coming in, she knew they were very, very behind. She told herself if she could catch the lead runner, she was going to retire. She was going to let it go. And that's exactly what she did. Oh, I mean, wow. she barely won, but yeah. she won. She retired. Sadly, Wilma Rudolph competed before endorsements. Oh. sponsors and other lucrative benefits. So she wrote a book, but it just couldn't match the success she had in the Oval of Rome. Right. So the tenacity this woman had to be born into extreme poverty with so many things stacked against her, 
She had one ailment after another, topped off with polio. It just, it, it must have been devastating, but she just didn't stop. And I can't believe, I I just, I can't even come up with a word with what she faced. Right. To have doctors tell you that you won't walk again. It's just hard to grasp that. Thank goodness she didn't listen and had a family to love and support her. I'm sure her mom was beat working as a cleaning lady. And then coming home to yeah, 22, 22. <laughs> And probably some of them were gone at that point. But, but still. But she was beat and the last thing she probably wanted to do was ride the bus, the back of the bus. For doctor's To head to the doctor's yeah. appointment 50 miles away. But she loved her daughter enough oh. to make it happen. Yeah. And even more, I just love that her positive thinking. Right. Helped Wilma believe that she could walk and run again. So awesome. I know. I'm glad that Wilma proved the doctors wrong. Her hard work and dedication inspires me to push through discomfort and painful situations. I haven't had to, you know, battle half of the things that she's been up against. So I love that she used her voice to keep whittling away at segregation. Yeah. I admire this lady for speed, of course. You watch the videos and see the photos of her, and she was so graceful out there. More so, I'm inspired that she refused to give up, no matter what life handed her. She helped open and run inner-city sports clinics, which I think is wow. awesome. When asked about her greatest it's accomplishment... Probably things before people were doing that kind of thing, yeah. too. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, ahead of her time. Yeah. When asked about her greatest accomplishment, she said, quote, knowing that I have tried to give something to young people, hopefully for the first time I'm beginning to see that young black women in America are making a large contribution in sports. The impression is that together we can make a first, and that makes me happy. So she also founded the Wilma Rudolph Foundation. It's dedicated to promoting amateur athletes. She used her college degree, which she got from running, to become a teacher and a coach. And while she was never paid like the star that she was, she was treated yeah. like a star in some ways. Right. She never got monetary payment for the things that she did. Um, she definitely made the most of what she had. I love the story. Is It's full of grit, determination, and Wilma Rudolph encompasses all of that. She wouldn't allow setbacks or life situations to stop her. And I, I just feel like we all could use a little bit of that spirit in us. The triumph can't be without the struggle. Wilma Rudolph. One of my favorite events in the Summer Olympics is gymnastics. I think it's fun. I know. They, such I strong. Late, well, I like watching the ladies, but yeah. guys are strong too. I think it's probably because my older sister, Kathy, was on the gymnastic <laughs> team in high school and got a scholarship in college. So and, I, I just wow. have fond memories of watching her compete. And I read about Simone Biles, who is has 30 world and Olympic champions combined. She is absolutely raining everything yeah. right now. She's, you can't turn she's the on TV fire. on without watching. Yeah. yeah. But the sweet thing is she took rising star Jordan Childs under her wing. And I just love this. Jordan Childs has been doing gymnastics since she was six years old and was a favorite for the 2020 Olympic Games. Her path seemed really clear. Even though she performed well in the 2017 um, year, she did not make the U.S. team um, and would not compete in the World Championships in Montreal. She ended up watching the competition from her home in Vancouver, Washington. 
And she wanted uh, her mom to take all her ribbons and medals and anything gymnastics related and throw it away. But her mom didn't and totally understood her daughter's disappointment. As Jordan put it, she felt that the sport didn't want her anymore. And nationals rolled around in 2018 and she finished 11th. She felt like that was a sign not to continue in the sport, like she was done. Mm-hmm. But then Simone Biles, probably the world's greatest gymnast, encouraged Jordan and helped her lead her to the top. Simone suggested that Jordan move to Texas and train with her and her coaches, Cecile and Lauren Landy. Her family wasn't like wanting to move, you mm-hmm. know, from Vancouver to Texas, but that was like the stipulation. So they did it. And Simone treated Jordan like a sister. And it, that like makes me like her even that. more because yeah. she's competition. Right. I mean, let's they be are real. They're, com- they're competitors. <laughs> but let's I just real, love the sportsmanship yeah. and the love of the sport. Yeah. And it was kind of a blessing that the 2020 games were postponed for COVID because Jordan had to do get this like wrist surgery. So mm-hmm. it gave her the time to uh, heal. And, you know, her new coaches were open to her speaking up. You know, without chastising her, I guess her previous coach, if she spoke back, they kind of were chastising her. And then she just learned to love and enjoy gymnastics and not, you know, always worry about the strictness and being so hard on herself and having so much doubt. This renewed spirit impacted her performance, and she won the all-around Winter Cup in February, which was the first major gymnastic competition since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And then the U.S. Classic in May, she came in second. And then I just watched Saturday night's uh, Olympic trials. You know, Joy's back on her face. She came in third mm. overall, so that's pretty awesome. Over the three apparatus, vault, beam, and floor exercise, Um I just, I love this story of Simone taking Jordan under her wing. And again, it's just really that spirit and attitude that can play such a huge role in an athlete, you know? The form, Yeah. And supporting each other. Yeah. And I, these are the type of stories that I just so enjoy yeah. about the Olympics. Yeah. And finding them. Which I, the athletes, they go through so much. Oh, so much rigor. And- so to hear them being supportive of each other. Is yeah. very encouraging because I, I just can't imagine being in the being stressful. Competing, yeah. yeah, and being support. It's yeah. just awesome. That's your life. Yeah. Like everything is based on those games. Right. Now, Teresa, it's your <laughs> turn for rapid fire Olympics, <laughs> summer Olympic style. Okay. Who, A lot of pressure. Who is your favorite athlete to watch in the summer games or – Lots of them, so it's hard <laughs> Pick one. for me. I think I'd have to say Shalane Flanagan. I love both her and Kara Goucher with their sportsmanship together yeah. and just supporting each other. But Shalane Flanagan is just, to me, a running idol. Yeah. Yeah. How about favorite sport growing up? What's funny about that is... I, I would have to say tennis. I love. Oh, wow. Who knew? I didn't know you played tennis. <laughs> Which I think it might have been cute teachers, okay. cute instructors. Yeah. I think that I was drawn into, to that. <laughs> into that. Because now, like, keeping score, I have to go back and teach myself that. Yeah. But, yeah, I like I, – I do like tennis. It yeah. is fun. But it's such a great – lifetime sport. Yeah, it's, it's a good game. It's yeah. not as far as fitness stuff if you have to go out and... You can and, do it when you're older, too. Exactly. How about favorite Olympic event? 
I love, obviously I love watching track and field, maybe because it's done fast. Right. Like they have short spurts and yeah. Because even watching the marathon, I go back and watch highlights of it because yeah. it's a long That's a stretch. Long, yeah. Even the fast, the Olympic people, they're a long stretch. But um, I love the gymnastic floor routines. I Those know, are the floor the power. routine. I Just know. the power is fun. Skating. I love winter yeah. time I skating. I love the skating too. I think because of the outfits and the yeah. costumes. As and the music. As and the power, once again, the jumps and the twirls and all and the music is super fun too okay moving on least <laughs> favorite sport to watch baseball yeah I think it is so so mind-numbingly yeah. boring so boring yeah i can see every, that yeah. every aspect of it boring okay i'm curious <laughs> what was the fashion trend did you love but now find embarrassing the thing that's funny is so many Things that I wore are back. I know. So I'm like, oh, that wasn't embarrassing because it's, it's fashionable back. now. Yeah. I was trendy before. Yeah. But um, no, one of my senior pictures has this hideous floral sweater, <laughs> which I thought was beautiful at the time. Yeah. But now I'm like, and big earrings. Oh, I yeah. Big, I huge the big earrings. Yeah. And then I, I loved plaid. Yeah. I did love plaid. I didn't go to private school, but I loved plaid skirts. skirts. Like long. I need to find a picture of it because you it's will like a see, long you'll plaid. see why it was embarrassing. But a long plaid skirt that I loved to wear. Oh, so fun. Never underestimate the power of dreams and the influence of the human spirit. We're all the same in this motion. The potential for greatness lives within each of us. Wilma Rudolph. Thanks for listening to Tangential Inspiration. We really want to hear from you. Email us your comments or story suggestions at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com or leave a comment on our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Our website has all our podcast episodes, show notes, stories, follow-ups, and links to websites and books we talk about. Like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week.